You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hello, you're joining me for episode 205 of the Blended Family Podcast. I'm bringing you a great co-hosting episode today that was actually recorded back in February. I'm trying to get to all of these backlog of shows that we have, but I've been so busy this summer. I always think that the summers I'm going to have more time, right? Because we don't have school and homework and all the things that we have during the year. But for some reason, every time the summer comes, I end up having less time than I think I'm going to. We've had the kids a week on and a week off this summer, and even on the off weeks, they've still been here. So we really haven't had much of a break at all. And then on top of that, the financial business has been doing really well, and we've been starting to get some traction there. But of course, as my schedule fills up with that, I'm finding less and less time for everything else. But We are getting closer and closer to the time where we can close the doors on the cleaning business. Not quite there yet, but we can definitely see things are happening and we're hoping sometime this year that we close down that business. And when that happens, you guys, I'm going to have a lot more time for you and for this podcast. It's going to be amazing. So I appreciate that you all haven't left me yet and I'm asking you for just maybe a little bit more patience as I try to work out these things because there will come a time where I'm going to be putting out much more consistent shows every week with more content for you and uh, I know that it's been a challenge lately trying to be consistent with you so I appreciate all of you for understanding. We have school starting here in a couple of weeks. I know some of you still have a month to go. We thankfully are starting in a couple of weeks because we start up in August and that should actually help a little bit too with my time, maybe, we'll see. So, uh, and if you wanna schedule my time with me, I I am available for coaching and or for these co-host shows. So if you wanna do that, just go to blendedfamilypodcast.com slash schedule and you'll see all of the options there. Uh, If you wanna co-host with me, you can schedule that. Just put in the notes what it's for. Or if you wanna co-host with me and you wanna discuss it first, you can always email me, melissa at blendedfamilypodcast.com. But also we have coaching packages there for blended family coaching. Now that's going to be different from the finance coaching, which is free. So if anybody wants to schedule financial coaching, it is completely free to you. And there is a link there on that scheduling page and it'll be called financial review, free financial review. So if you want that, That is totally free and there's never an obligation to purchase anything. This is strictly educational purposes because we're finding that it's so, so important, especially in our blended family community, that you guys need that. Uh, And then, of course, there's a regular coaching. I have packages for that. If you purchase package sessions, it comes out to be a little bit cheaper. So again, that's blendedfamilypodcast.com slash schedule to book any of my time for whatever reason. And there is a consult option there too. If you're just not sure, we can definitely talk about it. And then I ask if you could please rate and review the show 
with other people, uh, share it with other people, of course, because really my goal is to help as many families as I possibly can. And the way to do that is just really getting my name out there. And I appreciate all of you that try to help me with that. I know some of you even invite people into the Facebook group, which is really also very much appreciated. For those of you who are not already in the Facebook group, it is blendedfamilypodcast.com slash group. And that is just an amazing community over there for us all to talk and share and seek advice in a non-judgmental way, or at least that's the way it's supposed to be. And you've all been helping me so much keep that group the way that it is. And I appreciate that. Also, we are on Instagram now, and I'm just going to let you know right now, I am not great on Instagram. I'm not even good on there. I'm not a social media person, but I am definitely trying to learn. So come and find us over on Instagram. It is blended family podcast, all one word. And I do post shows on there. I just need to get a little bit better with my social media. It's just not one of my strong points, but I am definitely trying. So you can find us there on Instagram. And I'm going to be doing some more solo shows soon, I promise. For now, these are just a little bit easier for me to get out because it's easier to record an interview with somebody and produce it that way. And I have a whole backlog of them that I'm trying to put up for you guys. But I am planning on coming on solo again to deliver some content to you. So just bear with me, hang in a little bit longer, and I promise things are going to be getting better for all of us soon. So... Uh, I love you all so much. I hope you enjoy this great co-hosting interview with our good friends, Lori and Eric, who are also in the Facebook group. And I will be back again next week with another interview. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Hi, everybody. I'm happy to be back with another co-hosting show, except today is actually really special because instead of one co-host, we have two and they just happen to be a couple. So this is my first couple joining me on the show to co-host. I'm really excited about that. We have Lori and Eric from New Jersey. Welcome to the show, guys. Hi, Melissa. Thanks for having us. Hi, Melissa. Thanks for having us. Yes, of course. I'm very excited to have you. You guys have a very interesting story, and we really want to get to it. But first, why don't you just introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your blended family? Well, again, my name is Eric, and um, we got married this past August 12th, so we are a brand-new blended family. And my name is Lori, and we're Eric and I are both New Jersey natives, and I have one child, and he has one child, and um, we are both teachers, and we are both also athletic instructors. Wow. So that is really, really fun. Um, both for, what, what are the grades that you guys teach? I'm um, an elementary school counselor, so I work with children in grades K through fifth grade. And I teach a Mommy and Me music and movement program for infants, uh, toddlers, and preschoolers. And I'm also a personal trainer. Wow. Well, that sounds like you guys are quite busy. And I know, Eric, um, I definitely wanted to talk to you a little bit later about your counseling and how that affects parenting. But before we do that, uh, the first thing I actually want to talk about, Eric, with you is, um, well, you're a widower. And uh, you lost your first wife, and I know that it was very difficult for you, and your son was very young. So why don't you take us a little bit through what it was like um, 
being a single dad and going through that process and how, how was that for you? Um, yeah, my, um, my first wife, um, she passed away in November of 2008. So it was just the 10 year anniversary this past November. And, um, it was, it just literally came out of blue, out of the blue. We were packing for a trip to Florida. Actually, my parents are living down in Florida and, um, she was just struggling with a cough for several months and we went to all different doctors, specialists, and they thought she might have asthma or just respiratory issues. And the, this, the worst case scenario came true. It, they found um, fluid in her lungs and, and it was, it was stage four lung cancer. Mm. And um, we found she was diagnosed in August of 2008 and she passed away that November. And, um, my son, who's now 13, he was not even three. He was two months shy of his third birthday. So, it, you know, you go, you're going along in life, going along in life. We, you know, we both had great jobs. She was a teacher, and I was already working as a counselor. We had a beautiful son. We were talking about having another child, and then this hits you. So it was, it was by far, you know, I don't wish that on anybody. It was the hardest thing I've ever had to go through. Um, just talk about a range of emotions. You know, I really struggled with anxiety, depression, and, and um, but luckily, I guess just using my counseling tools, I knew I needed to get counseling. So I found some great, there's some great grief groups here in New Jersey. Um, I utilized many of them for myself, for my son. And, um, it was, it, yeah, it was, I, I don't wish it upon anybody, to be honest. It's just, it was really um, the hardest thing that I've ever had to go through. I was, I was 36. Um, she was 39 when she passed away. So young, so young. And I'm so sorry yeah. for what you went through. That must have been really difficult. So um, were you single all of that time until you met Lori or were you dating? Um, I was. It took me a while to feel ready to date. So I would, you know, I had a friends trying to set me up and, and it was interesting because I often felt when I, when I maybe not, it was well, uh, probably almost two years after I would try to start going on dates and there was actually a lot of guilt involved because I felt like, was I dishonoring my wife who had passed? Um, but that's where the counseling helped and the grief groups and, and sitting in a group with other people who were, widows or widowers was very helpful. Um, but slowly, um, you know, even, even my wife's, my first wife's family, they were like, Eric, you know, you deserve this, you know, and, and, you know, you know, you're a good guy and to meet somebody and have another relationship. Um, and eventually I knew that's what my wife, my first wife would have wanted, you know, had it, been me who passed away from cancer, I would have wanted my, my, my wife to have met somebody to help raise our son. Um, so, so then, um, just to answer the second part of your question, I, I was in, um, a longer term relationship. Um, and actually I had proposed to this person, but the best thing we both did was not get married. Um, this was a few years before Lori and I met and we, um, we we both I think we were both she had been in a really really difficult relationship and divorce and 
And I was, I think, still grieving. So I think we both, at the end of the day, realized we're probably just good as friends and we should not get married, and we did not. Um, so that, that was hard, too, because introducing my son to another person, another you know woman in his life. But the best thing I did was just to move on. For both of us, it was the best thing that, for, for both of us. Um, and then I, I didn't date for a while, and I kind of felt ready to put myself out there again. And then I met, I met Lori. And my life was, you know, and still is amazing. And, and, you know, I realized that there's second chances in life, which is a great thing. Yes, definitely, definitely. And Lori, um, I want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, oh, and by the way, you guys, you guys met online, correct? We did. Yes. Uh, yes, we did. What was that like? I, I would love for you to talk about that a little bit because a lot of times single parents and, um, you know, divorcees have a hard time getting out there and meeting people. And some people say online dating is great and some people are really against it. I think it's wonderful, especially for for us at our age, because it's not easy to go out there. You don't want to go meet people in a bar or a club. And I like online dating because you can actually know more about the person up front than you would had you walked up to somebody in a bar. So tell me, tell me about that a little bit. How was that meeting online? It was great. I actually, I think Eric and I both had each tried different, um, sites at different times in our dating lives uh, prior to meeting each other. And as a parent, um, my daughter was also very young when my first marriage ended. And I was, it was nice to not have to keep going out, going out, going out to meet people, but to be able to be, you know, in my pajamas or my sweats at home, my child would be, I put her down for the night and then I would be able to spend an hour online just looking through profiles and messaging people back and it was a there was a convenience factor of that. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys met three years ago, uh, Lori. Yeah. What I want to know from you is what what did you feel like, or how did it feel to you knowing um, that Eric's wife had died? What was going through your mind? Did that affect you in the beginning? What were what was your thought process like with that? It definitely, um, it's definitely a little bit of a double-edged sword um, because I had previously dated someone who had an ex-wife who was extremely difficult and um, just created a lot of havoc in our relationship and with his child. So I knew that I didn't want to get involved with somebody who had a really contentious relationship with his ex-wife because it would make our life, you know, even more, more of an upheaval than we'd, you know, I didn't want to bring in more drama, I guess that's the bottom line. So on the one hand, I was like, oh, you're a widow, widower. Um, there's not going to be like a crazy ex-wife. And that is true. But on the other hand, um, there's a different set of difficulties because you're trying to honor the place where, the first wife was because it wasn't a divorce and it wasn't, you know, oh, I can't stand my ex anymore. This was someone who was still loved at the time of her passing and very much wanted and the relationship was intact and um, 
you know, Eric and his first wife were very much in love when she passed. And um, so you can feel very vulnerable, like, wow, I really love this guy, but, you know, does he love me all the way? Mm -hmm. And I will definitely be completely honest that I had those vulnerabilities and insecurities at the beginning of our relationship. And we had a couple of really difficult conversations because on the one hand, I didn't want to be a jerk um, and be like, do you love me as much as you loved her? You know, this is what I'm feeling, but I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to sound like an insecure jerk. But on the other hand, there's also this part of me that, you know, wanted to make sure that I he would cherish me as much as I cherished him while still leaving room for the special place in his heart that he has for his first wife. So it's definitely a double-edged sword. You don't have to deal with drama like you might if there was a divorce, but it's just a different set of issues that can crop up and be very emotional for both partners. Yeah, and that's really a great answer. And the reason I wanted to talk about this, and I'm happy that you guys are open to talking about this, is because we do have a lot of listeners out there who are in that position. And I get emails from people Mm -hmm. that don't know they feel like they don't have a place or they don't know how to be respectful and honor the deceased and make sure that they keep the memory of the deceased alive for the children, Mm -hmm. because that's important too. Mm -hmm. Um, But also protecting your own feelings because that is vulnerable and it makes sense that you would feel that way. And that doesn't sound like you're being, did you, what did you call yourself being a brat or what did you say? Um, a jerk. <laughs> a jerk, a jerk, a jerk. You are not, you're not being a jerk to have those feelings. Those are very normal feelings. Um, and that's why I'm glad that you're here talking about it. Eric, what were your feelings with that? How did you cope with Lori's vulnerability and her feelings, but also, you know, knowing that you needed to honor the memory of your wife? How, how was that for you? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and as, as Lori mentioned, we've, you know, we had a lot of hard conversations, which were good, though, because we knew if this was going to work between us, you know, I think having those tough conversations, especially the situation is very unique. I remember being in my, my widower's group and, you know, the first time I was just, well, I was just in a support group when my when my first wife was fighting the cancer. And I remember going to the hospital in a sport group and I was by far the youngest person there. Mm-hmm. So it is, you know, it, it is, you know, I have met other widowers um, close to my age, but you know, it is few and far in between my experience. So to answer your question, um, it, it's definitely been a balance as Lori mentioned. Um, I think she said it perfectly is, you know, honoring my first wife's memory, my son's mom, it's, you know, I still get emotional talking about it because it's, it's, it's always going to be, you know, the mother of, of my child. Although, you know, Lori's taking on the role of raising our son and we, we use that word our, you know, and, and, and my stepdaughter, it's our daughter, you know, and, and, and cause we both cherish them and, and love them so much. But, um, I can think of one time, it was over a year ago, it was, it was, yeah, it was the ninth anniversary of her passing, and, and the years passed, I would post something on Facebook, and I honestly don't remember exactly what I posted, but I remember Lori reading it, and I, and I felt horrible, because, you know, what I posted was, 
about missing her and things, and, and I didn't even think how it would affect Lori. And I, I felt like a jerk because, you know, that's where Facebook's funny. You know, it was meant to honor her, and, and, and my first wife was from the Philippines, so sometimes I'll share things via Facebook because, you know, literally around the world, they're on Facebook in the Philippines, and, and they get to see um, my son's grandmother. She's still in the Philippines. And, and so when I did that, it was in memory of her, but I didn't take, which I should have, take into consideration Lori's feelings. So that's that's what's been tricky, and, and I think we've found a very good balance. Um, and even thinking like when when Lori and her and her, and her daughter moved in after we got married, um, even even photos that I you know certain parts of the house I still had photos up of her and, and they they were there, but I, you know, they had just been there when I, when I bought this house, it was just my son and I, and, um, after my last relationship ended. So I honestly just hung up the pictures, but, but not really. So it was just, I guess, to give you a concise answer, I hope I'm answering the question. Um, you know, just finding a balance where Lori feels and knows how I feel about her. And I remember when we were getting very serious and we really had some of those heart to heart talks was I said to her, I will always have a love for my first wife, but I have a big enough heart to have love for both of you. That's right. I think when I said that, I think, you know, I get emotional even talking about it now. Um, and the amazing person Lori is, is that she respects that. And, and, and part of the challenge of this last relationship I mentioned, that was very hard for her. And I'll never judge that past relationship because I know as a widow, yes, you do not have the baggage of an, of an ex-wife, which can be, you know, volatile <laughs> and, and challenging, but there's different baggage and there's really not a roadmap. You know, you just look and, and Google blended families divorced and, 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 you know, but there's really not as much out there for widowers. I remember even looking up and trying to find books to read for my own self-help. There's not a lot out there. Yeah. Um, it's it just, it's a, in my experience, it's a, it's a rarer situation. Well, you're absolutely right, especially at your age when you're young like that. You know, it's just not as yeah. common to lose people. And I right. agree with you. There's not enough support out there and people aren't really talking about it enough. And even on my show, I mean, you know, most of our topics relate with exes and other things. And we don't talk a lot about this. That's why I was so excited to have you guys on the show, because like I said, I know there's people out there struggling and, you know, they need help and they need to know there are other people out there who understand. I mean, we had somebody wrote to me, this was years ago, and she was struggling because of the photo situation. There were photos up in the house of the deceased uh, partner, and that person just couldn't couldn't deal with it. And we worked together on it, explaining that, you know, okay, we don't need to have all of the pictures up, but it is okay and good to have some pictures, especially maybe in the child's room, so that the child understands that just because their parent has died, that doesn't mean that the memory of the parent has to die. And I think that for your son, 
it's really wonderful that you're both keeping his mom's memory alive. And I'm sure that he respects that and loves that. Even though he was just very young, he probably doesn't have a big memory of her, but it's important that you guys are still working on that. So it's very impressive. Uh, by the way, anybody listening, Eric and Lori are in our Facebook group. So if you want to connect with them, maybe you have a similar experience and you need the support, you could definitely reach out to them. When I post this episode, I'm going to tag them in the group there. So you can do that. And anybody who's not in the group, it's blendedfamilypodcast.com slash group. So uh, thank you guys for being so open about that. Um, I'd like to talk about a few other things, though, because it's not all that you guys are about. Uh, let's see. Your kids get along well. I know that. So we're not having any issues there. And they're actually very close in age. Eric, you you have been a counselor. So how does that help you in maybe dealing with the kids or dealing with some of the blended family issues that come up? Do you think that your education and counseling helps you? I definitely feel that it, that it has helped me. I've been a counselor for 17 years now, and by no means do I have all the answers. But it's been interesting because I've worked, you know, every year as a counselor, um, you know, we, we've, we have a lot of divorced and blended families in my school. And, um, I remember one year in particular, we had one, one classroom I can think of off the top of my head. I think we had eight children in one class who were from a divorced family. Um, so, you know, about a third of the class. So I've worked with many kids, um, whose parents are divorced. And actually I'm working with some children this year who, who are recently blending a family. And it's, it's been interesting because up until this point, you know, I've had just my counselor hat on and my training, but I have not walked in those children's shoes. And having said that, I think, you know, as a counselor, you don't have to have walked in those shoes. But I do feel I now have a perspective um, that I did not have before, even even just our, you know, being married since, since August, and now we're into February. So being married for, you know, over five months now, it's, um, it's really interesting. And then raising a stepdaughter. So that's new for me, raising Mm -hmm. a daughter, um, which I'll say, honestly, I I'm loving it. You know, she's just a wonderful, wonderful child. And, um, definitely, you know, as Lori will probably tell you, you know, she's raising a son for the first time and definitely, you know, each, each, each gender is different, but it does help me um, just as for my job, as I mentioned earlier, as a counselor, I knew the benefit is why I got into counseling. I just knowing the power of it and, um, and been to counseling even before my loss. Um, I just, when I was younger in college, struggled with some anxiety and, and, and some, some mild depression. And, and I knew the power of counseling back then and how it, gave me a new leash on life. So just knowing the, the you know, because unfortunately I think in our culture there's still such a stigma of seeking out help and counseling. And, and I think we see it in our society as a sign of weakness, and it couldn't be more wrong. It's a sign of strength. Um, so I think just having the background as a counselor has given me insight. It's also given me resources just because I look on my bookshelf in my office I've had many books on blended families, which, you know, I used, 
but now I'm even using them for for my personal life, which That's I hadn't great. before. Good, good. And Lori, um, let's talk about you for a little bit. Um, we didn't get to talk about your situation, and you are not a widower. You had a divorce. Uh, how did that go for you? Have you had a, a pleasant divorce, a difficult divorce? Um, it's a little bit of both. Um, I would say that mostly uh, it was very difficult. Um, our daughter was really more or less a baby, um, she was, had just turned two when we separated and then our divorce became finalized about 14 months after that. So, um, my daughter and I had moved in with my parents, um, in September of 2009. And, um, we actually have lived with them, um, up until the time, uh, Eric and I got married. So, um, it was very difficult um, my ex and I have been through mediation multiple times. Um, he and I have also gone to co-parenting therapy multiple times. And um, I would say now, um, and he, he got remarried shortly after our divorce, about maybe two years later. And um, now it's definitely better. Now it's definitely more cooperative. And um, now we have, I would say, a pretty decent working relationship, but the majority of the journey up until now has been incredibly difficult for me. And um, so it's, I've been very grateful to have my parents help because living with them helped economically, um, but just also having the support because my daughter was 26 months and still in diapers. So it was great to have the, uh, just the day-to-day support from them as well. Yeah, and that must have been really hard for you too. All of a sudden, finding yourself as a single mom with a baby. Um, so mm-hmm. you say things were really bad, and now they're better. What what changed? Um, was it something that you guys did? Something that you talked about? What changed that all of a sudden things are going better now? Is it something you did? It, that's a great question. I'm not sure of the answer. It just seems like in the last. I'd say eight months, things seem to be better. And some of it, I think, might be just due to the fact that um, our daughter is in middle school now. Um, at the end of last school year, she was finishing elementary school, and this fall she started as, as a middle schooler. And she's grown up a lot in the last six to eight months and matured, and she now has her own phone, so she can talk to her dad and text with him on her own. So I think maybe some of it is simply maturation on her part. Um, and I think some of it is just he, she and he can speak with each other directly without having to go through me and my phone. So that might be part of it. But other than that, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and how is his, his wife with you? How is she? Um, it was very contentious at the beginning. Um, and currently I would say the situation is very good. Um, my ex and his wife have actually offered to, um, they've purchased gifts for, uh, Eric's son, my stepson. Um, and they've, they've, you know, included him and offered rides and on snow days, um, if one of them is working from home, they'll offer to pick up both kids if we need help. Um, so that's, that's been really nice to have that kind of cooperation. Um, but things definitely, it's taken all these years to get to this point. But 
that's really good what you're saying. You, you might not know the exact clear-cut answer of why things changed, but the point is that they did improve. And I want everybody listening to kind of know that because sometimes we feel like things are never going to get better and often they do. They don't always, but often things do get better. You know, maybe like you said, it was just a time thing, uh, maturity, maybe you got remarried and um, that maybe helped in a certain way, but they're starting to cooperate. And I think that that's, it just gives everybody a little bit of hope that, nothing is permanent. Everything changes and that things could get better. So I'm really glad things are better on that front for you. Uh, tell me about some of the challenges that you guys face right now in your blended family. Um, I think some of them are blended family issues and then some of them just are the territory of we have two middle schoolers in our household <laughs> and Sometimes um, the kids come home from school and they're super upset about something that went on. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're really upset. They're, everyone's upset. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is normal adolescent stuff. And we just both of us try to listen and be there. And we're trying really hard not to jump in and solve all their problems for them. We're trying to say, wow, that sounds really difficult and I, I can see that you're upset. What do you think that, what could you do to make the situation better? And trying to help them brainstorm solutions for things um, rather than jumping in to fix it all the time. Um, when we were first all living together after the wedding, I think Eric and I both did, I know I felt very hyper about making sure everybody was okay all the time. And I ended up wearing myself out. And I think with older children in the 10-plus, 10-and-up category, you can't save them from every emotion. They're going to have negative emotions, especially if a move is involved and a new school is involved, which was the case for my daughter. Um, and I think I learned as a parent to just sort of ride the wave. Like, they're going to slam their door. They're going to be upset. They're going to cry sometimes. And all you can just do is be there for them while they work it out. And so I'd say that's probably sort of the, some of the emotional stuff uh, from both of our children. Um, again, a lot of it due just simply to being middle schoolers, I think, um, is tough as a parent. Because when kids are little, it's, it's not quite so emotional. <laughs> do you have anything that you would? I think, um, I think for, um, for Lori and, and, and my stepdaughter, um, I think some of the, it might have been, I think it was harder for them because again, my son and I, we've been living in our, in, in our house, just the two of us for several years now. Um, so I think there was quite a bit more change for, for the two of them. But, um, I think just like Lori mentioned, I think just typical, just getting used to the, you know, your habits, in the one house and then now there's four of us. So kind of um, like my son for a couple of years had his own bathroom in the hall, you know, so now he's sharing it with his <laughs> stepsister. And even for me, you know, and again, these are, these are minor changes and they're, they're welcome changes, you know, but just, you know, sharing the bathroom now and, and just kind of, I think seeing where we all fit. Um, but I think we've been all, um, you know, just all being patient with each other and learning our roles where we fit. Um, I think Lori and I, 
Um, and, and to Lori's credit, she's so great at, at reading up. She was reading so many books about blending a family and, as they call it, step coupling. And, and um, really, you know, as, as much as we can preparing, um, and obviously when you, when you go into it, you still have to just kind of see what happens sometimes. Um, and figure it out. And like Lori mentioned earlier, I love that phrase, just riding the wave. Because it's, you know, they are adolescents. And to an extent, they would be having these feelings regardless of all these changes. But obviously, it adds to it, these changes. Because there's a lot of changes for them. But I think so many positives have come out of it, are coming out of it, will continue to come out of it. They were both only children. I think they love... They might not admit it, but I think they love having a sibling. They know they have each other's back. We've seen that already um, in different situations. Um, I remember even before we were married, because um, they would, they would, Lori and her daughter would come over and spend the weekends with us, and, and which was really a good testing ground. Like we were, we were going forward no matter what, but it was good for us to kind of see what things will look like once we are all living together. Um, cause as Lori mentioned, they did not move in officially until after we got married this past August, but there was an instance where my son got his hair cut and he had longer hair and got a cut and, you know, he was 11 or 12 at the time. And, you know, you're a little more self-conscious about those things. And our younger neighbor had made a comment, which hurt my son's feelings and, and his, his sister, stood up for him and then told this little guy, you know, <laughs> really oh. was not nice. To that. And, and so you, you see that they really have each other's back. Um, and I, I think, you know, we just, we, people have even said to us, they don't know we're a blended family. They think we are a biological nuclear mm-hmm. family. And it's funny because even people will be surprised when we say that, you know, is my stepdaughter and my stepson, and they're like, they're not biologically related because they even look alike. Wow. Um, even though they're not biologically related. So, um, so you know, there'll certainly be challenges, but I think we're so good at talking about it. And Lori and I, you know, have had some really tough discussions because we know it's not easy. And the second marriage, you know, unfortunately, you know the statistics, but but we're determined to make it work, and I think we're so good at communicating with each other. And the kids see that if we have a conflict, we talk it out in a, in a healthy way. I think um, just to add, like as Eric was talking, I was thinking through um, the importance, I think, of doing your parenting homework. Um, I think our kids get along pretty well because Eric and I spent out many, 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 many hours um, the year that we were engaged, we went to see a family therapist. Uh, we listened to Blended Family Podcast. We listened to other podcasts. We read a lot of books. And we also sat down and we spent many, many hours discussing how are we going to handle discipline? How are we going to handle our finances? How are we going to handle if the kids behave this way or behave that way? How are we going to handle it? And we literally jotted down and mentally also memorized a whole bunch of standards of what we wanted in our house. Like our house is a safe place. Our house is a place where there's harmony. People are welcome in our house. 
all members of the family are respected in our house, and we sort of set out these parameters for this is what our home represents, and it should be a sanctuary for all the members. Therefore, you may not um, make fun of each other. You may not, we don't, we're not yelling and screaming at each other. Um, we sort of set out some parameters, and they're not always easy to follow, but it sort of has like this standard that we set up that we keep coming back to when we have trouble. We'll say, wait, 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 what did we decide last year we're going to do about this? And we'll even say to the kids, last year when we were planning to have our family, we decided this. And so we're sorry you're upset, but this is the rule. And I think that was a really important thing because it helps us as parents when we're tempted to, like, give a little here, give a little there, break the rules or bend the rules because someone's upset. It enabled us to stand firm with what we had decided. Um, and I think the other big thing is we made a distinction between course correction and discipline when it comes to the kids. And we agreed that either one of us could course correct either a person's child. So that would mean you can tell that child that they need to wash their hands when they come home from school. You can tell that child that they need to unload the dishwasher, that that's their job. Um, you can remind the child to tidy up after themselves in the bathroom, that kind of stuff, or pick up their coat or whatever. But um, in terms of serious discipline, that has to be done by the biological parent. And I think that's helped a lot, too. Wow, you guys have been very, very proactive, and this is what everybody, and you know, not everybody does that, by the way. Most blended families, what happens is we meet somebody, we get excited, we jump into a relationship because we're excited to be there, and we don't think about the upcoming challenges. We are in that exciting stage in the beginning, and everything's wonderful, and we don't we don't want to think about the challenges that are coming. We, we actually, sometimes we can't even think of that because we're in this different, um, falling in love stage and all those chemicals are released in our brain and we don't think about it. And so then what happens is we, they move in together and everyone's in for a rude awakening because all of a sudden things start happening and they're like, well, we didn't think about this and we didn't think about that. And we didn't think about planning on setting up structure and boundaries and rules and what you guys did. And I want everybody out there to really take tips from these guys because not everyone is doing this. And this is what everyone needs to do is that before you take that leap, before you move in together to start working out these details in advance. You don't want to work out a problem when the problem comes up. You want to work out the problem before it happens. You want to say, look, if this situation comes up, how are we going to deal with it? And you guys did that. And I want to take that apart a little bit um, because we had talked prior to this and you guys are new moving in together and you are right in the thick of it and you know what kind of challenges come up when you first move in together. See me, we've been at this for 12 years and I, it's not that I forgot, but I mean, that was a long time ago, but you're in it right now and you did the hard work prior. So how much do you think that helped you uh, and did it help you? Because did you have situations come up after you moved in together that you had already discussed and did it become easier then because you already worked it out? Um, That's a great question. I think like to Lori's point, the, um, the course correction versus discipline, as she mentioned, has been so helpful because I think that can be one of the biggest sticking points in every book we read on blending a family pointed to that. One of the biggest 
problems or challenges for blended families, new or old, is discipline. So I think following that, um, like if, if, if there's a bigger issue with Lori's daughter, she will, you know, be the quote-unquote heavy. But just to add to what Lori said is that doesn't mean I'll, you know, go out for a run and say, see you later, Lori. I'll literally physically be nearby just so that what it shows our daughter is I'm still there. I'm supporting Lori. And then she sees, we, our, our daughter sees, or if it was my son and I was disciplining my son and Lori would be there physically close um, so that the kids know that Lori and I are a united front yes, and that we support each other. Because as we all know, and every book we've read says it, the kids are smart and they'll do that with their, you know, without a blended family, biological parents, the kids know they'll pick on that weaker parent and try to wear them down for whatever they want or need. So, but that I think has been the most helpful. Um, One other thing we've also done was we do have some, some friends, even in our town, who are farther along. In fact, one family I, I mentioned earlier, he, he, he's actually a widower, um, and we met through our, our, both our boys play on the same baseball team. So they've been very helpful, and I think you'd agree, Lori, this gentleman's um, wife, she's gone down that path that Lori's now going down, you know, marrying someone who's a widower mm. um, and blending children and... Um, so I think we, you know, we even did our homework by actually talking to people that we know, and they were more than helpful and, and more than willing, I should say, to help us because they did the same thing. You know, when they were going through it, they reached out to other people for, for help. Um, so I think, again, just, just getting back to what Lori said is, you know, obviously we can't anticipate every single problem. Nobody can. But I think this book has been so eye-opening, it's, it's opened our eyes and ears to, oh, my gosh, we didn't even think of that. And then this one particular book we read, it was about people going through it, and, and it would list how long they've been blending a family and how they handled it. Um, I think every sometimes it is a case-by-case situation. Different families will handle things differently. But it's given us a really good roadmap, I would say, or, you know, kind of a recipe book for what seems to work uh, for most blended families. Yeah, that's great. And I want to circle back to the discipline thing um, and what you guys were talking about. And I agree wholeheartedly. I always say that the bio parent should be the heavy, but I like what you're doing. And it's very, I, I like that you are staying nearby. That is a hundred percent true. The kids do need to know that you guys are a team. Otherwise they will divide and conquer. And they're very good at that. And you're right. Even in biological families or, or, you know, traditional families, I should say that happens too. Um, and what's, what's worse or what's more difficult in your situation is that you do have the two middle schoolers. And I will say Middle school was my least favorite phase of every one of my kids. I, actually, my son, my son wasn't as difficult in middle school. He, his difficulty came a little bit later on, but every girl 
It was a nightmare in middle school because <laughs> they are so confused. They have all these hormones and you guys ended up blending at that age, which really adds an element of difficulty to your situation because it's just a very temperamental time in a middle schooler's life. And then here you are making some changes for them. And so I think it's pretty impressive how you guys are handling that because that's not an easy time. And, um, so it's good. You, you guys have that down pat. And then the only thing I would add to that is, uh, is, you know, having those family meetings and what you guys did, you did that. You said right at the beginning, this is the way it's going to be. These are the rules. And not everybody does that too. Not everybody does the family meetings right in the beginning where they lay out the ground rules and what is expected before the problems come up. I can't stress that enough because once the challenge comes up, you are faced with it and it's a lot harder to control when the kids had no idea what the expectations were. So that is really good. You guys are awesome. And I really do encourage anybody listening um, to, to take the tips, take these tips, especially um, if your situation looks like theirs. Now we're getting ready to wrap up, but I always ask my co-host some questions at the end that I like to ask everybody. So, and I, either one of you could take these or you can both chime in. Um, the first question is, what is the thing that you love most about your blended family right now? Um, I would say the thing that I love the most is just having my own nuclear family again. Um, after nine years of being a single parent, um, it's, it is, you know, there is this sort of cultural norm out there of mom and dad and two kids and a dog, and we're a mom and a dad and two kids and a dog, and we also have two fish. And <laughs> we don't have a way, but um, there's, there's something immensely fulfilling for me um, about being a wife again and being a mom, and now I have two kids. Um, and I always tease my stepson. I said, what is, I love you so much, and I said, and I didn't have to give birth to you. I think it's giving birth really hard. And he's always like, <laughs> so that's, that's what I, and because when we have those moments where everyone's laughing about something or playing a game or we're joking around, um, and we have those moments where it feels so natural, I'm like, yes. And that's what I love the most about it. Yeah. I, um, exactly what Lori said, but just to add, I think just, and we felt this early on, it felt so natural, the four of us, and, and, and I agree with Lori, you know, I missed, you know, I've always been, you know, I love holding hands in public and, and kissing my wife, and, and I miss those things, and, and, you know, even last night, sitting next to Lori watching the Super Bowl, you know, holding her hand, you know, I, I missed that. And, and I'm so blessed. I think the one thing that, you know, because I think we do learn things going through tragedy, as I think I learned, and I, you know, I don't think anybody realizes it at the time, but I think it does strengthen you. Um, I have an appreciation for what I have. And I knew I, you know, I appreciated my first relationship with my first wife, but I really appreciate having the second chance because mm -hmm. you don't know if you're going to get it. Um, and, and I, I consider myself lucky that I'm, I'm aware of that and I don't take it for granted. And, um, and I always, you know, I, I, I always wish to have two kids and I always wish to have a son, 
and 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 I also always wished and hoped to have a daughter, and now I have that. And um, and I always remember my 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 parents and other friends saying, you know, now Eric, you know, now that you're remarried, now you can be happy again. And and it's so true. But the only reason I hesitate is I was happy and I found happiness even when it was just my son and I. But what I do have now is I found joy again. Mm. And I really think that there's a difference. Um, Because I think people make the mistake um, of, well, when I meet someone, I'll be happy and they will fill that void in my life. That's true to a point, but I think it goes back to finding your own self-happiness and own joy and and giving yourself, as they say, that oxygen mask analogy. You have to be content and happy with yourself and love yourself before you can love someone else. But what Lori's brought to my life and to, to my son's and our son's life, which we both were missing, was that true joy, which we have that now. Well, that's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. And and it is a good lesson for people to understand that we don't know how long we have on this earth. We don't know how long we have our partner. And, you know, you had to go through tragedy, um, but now you're able to really appreciate it that much more. And I think we all forget and we all struggle with our blended families and we don't realize how precious time really is. So, okay. Number two, what is the biggest challenge right now in your blended family? I know we kind of talked about your challenge before. What's the biggest challenge? Um, I can probably chime in first. Um, and it's something Lori and I, again, where I think we're very mindful of, um, both our kids were very fortunate. They, they have a great group of friends. They're athletic. Um, and so those are obviously many, many positives. The challenge is, is um, again, both our kids are very athletic. So it's, it's the, um, and I think, I think a lot of your listeners can probably relate to what I'm about to share, is that finding the time, like we were able to have a nice sit-down dinner tonight. We didn't have to run out and take kids to <laughs> sports or activities and it's the balance. And I find just as, as my putting my counselor hat on, I, I find where I work, that's a challenge for a lot of the families. It's almost mm-hmm. like becomes a competition. Well, how many activities is your child doing? Oh, maybe we're not doing enough. Maybe we're, maybe we're not good parents because our kids are not in 10 different activities. And, and I caution parents on that. It's, you know, it's the quality and also getting back to family dinners. And that was another conversation Lori and I had. We, we can't have that sit down every night, but I think we're very good at doing it at least four or five nights a week. It might not always be at, you know, six o'clock at night. Like when I grew up, we had dinner religiously six o'clock every night, which was a great tradition. I think that can be harder today. Um, and we both, you know, working full time, Lori and I. But I think um, the challenge to answer your question is finding just the quality time together. Um, Lori and I also try to be very mindful of Lori is great about spending time with our son, just the two of them. I'll try to carve out time for my stepdaughter and I, um, and then time for the four of us to do things together. So really being mindful of having some downtime is, is for me, I think Lori would agree is, is, is a big challenge. And I think again, for, for 
for the traditional families as well. Yeah, we're we're so overscheduled lately. I, I mean, not I don't mean me, my family, which we are, but everybody. This everywhere I look, people are overscheduling, and some some families that I have here in my community have seven, eight, nine kids in the house, and. I wonder how they do it because we have the, just the four and we find that it's very difficult to find any quality time. We we hardly ever sit down for family dinner unless it's a holiday because everyone is always running all over. Of course, my kids are a little bit older now, but um, I always say to my husband, it's, you know, one hour of quality time in a week yeah. is better than 10 hours of distracted time where you're not really paying attention to one another. So um, the fact that you guys even sit down four to five nights a week for family dinner is really wonderful. And I know not everybody can do that, but whatever you can do for your family, whatever quality time you have, just carve it out and make sure, even if it's just an hour a week, make sure that that hour is quality time. So uh, at least you guys are are doing well with that. I know that's always, it's always a challenge, especially when the kids have activities. Um, Okay. Question number three, Lori, you can answer this one. If you knew then what you know now, what is one thing that you might have done differently when you first blended? That's a great question. Um, One thing that I was going to say, I guess this will be sort of a hybrid answer because it's sort of an answer to the previous question again, is I didn't realize how much um, issues of fairness would come up with the kids. Um, I had some sense that that would be an issue, but I think one of the unique things about our situation is when you're a parent, whether you're a mom or a dad, and you're stepping into a situation where you are um, the full-time, the brand-new full-time parent of um, a child who has lost a parent, um, I think there's issues of fairness, not just between the siblings, like who got a bigger piece of cake at dessert, but then there's also emotional fairness. Um, and I find that I'm always asking myself like 18 times a day, did I give my stepson the same amount of love and time and attention that I gave my daughter? And, um, so that would be something I think that if I were doing this process again from the beginning, now we've only been together as a blended family for six months, but that kind of took me by surprise a little bit because now that I'm getting a closer having a closer relationship with my stepson and I am there every day and I am making his lunch and I'm, you know, going over his homework with him. Um, I'm trying to find ways to be close with him um, that maybe feel fair for him because I have that close with my daughter because I gave birth to her and I've known her since she was born, but especially with a teenage boy and especially when you're coming in in the second half of a child's childhood, um, I just try really hard to be mindful and I, I would have loved to have had a little bit more maybe advice or coaching prior to getting married on, on how best to step in without overstepping, um, you know, my place too, because there's times when he just doesn't want me around, but that's okay. Cause he's a teenager, you know, <laughs> so yeah. just finding that balance. Well, that's, that's a really great answer. And this next question, I mean, Gosh, I don't know, because you guys are doing so many things right, I I tell you. But the question is, what is something that you know you're doing right in your blended family, something that you're so proud of? And I think, honestly, you guys have a lot to be proud of, but you can go ahead and answer. Well, thank Thank you. you. Um, 
there's definitely days we don't feel like we're doing anything right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think just going back what we said earlier, just I think we're good at communicating with the kids, um, setting boundaries as best we can, um, you know, having them do, you know, do chores around the house and, and, you know, addressing issues if they feel something is unfair. I think, you know, just that communication, I think we've, we've done a good job with, um, but there's definitely days where we feel like we have no clue what we're doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and it's, again, all the books we've read, it's still, you know, it's still on paper and until you do it, um, it's, you know, it's sometimes it's, it's, it's just, um, riding that wave, seeing how it goes, trying it, um, and just doing, you know, doing the best we can and, and showing the kids that, and hopefully they feel this, that, you know, we love them no matter what. That's great. Uh, Lori, did you want to add anything to that or you're good with his answer? (laughs) Yes, I was just thinking I've often used the metaphor jumping off a cliff and then building your wings on the way down. There are many days that feel that way that I am making it up and putting it together and Eric feels that way. And sometimes we look at each other and we're like, okay, um, everyone's a jerk today and we didn't do very well. You know, there's some days that are just like that and it's okay to have days like that. Yeah, because how else do we learn? Like you said, you can read a million books. Like you, we can read books on how to drive a car, but does that really teach us how to drive a car? No, we have to have the experience. And no matter how many books you read, yes, you can get tips and you can get advice, but really until you're in the situation, because everybody is different and everybody has a different personality and what works for one family isn't going to work for somebody else. And so that's, that's perfect. Yes. Jump off the cliff, figure it out. You will figure it out. And that's how you learn by sometimes making the mistakes and then having to redirect and figure out what works better. So that's good. And the last question is, if you had one piece of advice to offer the rest of the listeners today, what would it be? And I guess they're going to get two pieces of advice because you're each going to answer. So I would go back to um, something I was talking about earlier in our interview, which is um, do your homework. Like it's not fun it is really time-consuming, and it brings up a lot of, you know, Eric and I had a lot of tearful conversations with a box of tissues in between us. Um, do the homework. Do the work. Figure out how are you going to manage your finances. Figure out who's, who's going to pay what. Are you going to blend your money together? Figure out what issues are things that you feel are course corrections that either parents can, can give the child um, and which things need to be handled by the bio parent. Um, set up some standards for household. What do you want your house to feel like? What do you want people to, the kids to expect when they come to your home? What are some standards that are important? What are your values? Um, I think it's super important to hash all of that out. And when you're working, raising children and planning a wedding and doing that, it can feel totally overwhelming, but it's very necessary. And, Eric- and I would agree with I would agree with everything Lori said. The only thing I would add is, um, is sometimes again, just putting my counselor hat on and, and I'm by no means perfect at this, but is sometimes just, just listening to our kids and validating their feelings. And I think by doing that, they know that, that 
we're on their team, we support them, and they know that we love them unconditionally. Is I think just the because there's going to be so many things we we can't always fix it, we can't always solve their problem, but I think by just listening to them, giving giving them those few tools and strategies just from our life experience. I think we'll, we'll help them become their own problem solvers. And I think it just makes us a stronger blended family. Absolutely. And again, wonderful, wonderful advice. It has been such a pleasure having you guys on the show. You are a true inspiration to blended families. Your tips are wonderful. You're handling everything really well. And I truly appreciate you guys. Oh, thank uh, you, Melissa. Thank well, we you. have gotten a lot of help from Blended Family Podcast, so it's an honor to be part of it. Yeah, thank you so much, Melissa, for allowing us to uh, share our story with you. Of course. And again, for the listeners, if you like Lori and Eric and maybe you have something in common and you want to connect with them, maybe you have questions for them to find out how they're doing so well, you can definitely contact them. I'm going to tag them both in the group uh, post when I post this show. So thank you all for listening and we'll catch you next week. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.